2: Hey parents, we all try to be extra careful with our children in the car, but then we get an important call or text. Remember, our children are watching. Make every drive a good example. Be in the zone. Turn off your phone.
1: or Twitter at coachtwill 24 or Instagram TravisLWilliams24 or you can call me at 404-542-607. Once again, AAC is very proud to partner with J.R. McHenry of the Bossman Radio Show covering sports and entertainment across the country. Please tune in weekly for informative, entertaining, and expert analysis on today's sports and entertainment topics. Thank you.
0: Awesome man, Coach loway Pierce, Coach of Atlanta Hawks here. Coach Pierce, first want to get started, man, uh, how's, how's everything with your family and your wife and children in Atlanta, and uh, how have you been since the quarantine happened, man?
2: Um, thanks for having me on. Things are well with our family. We're safe. We're, we're, we're home. We're getting a lot of family time. That, that's been the, uh, the one silver lining in everything.
0: Most definitely, getting you have a young daughter that's almost two years old. So getting to spend time with her has been very much, uh, probably, a great thing for you right now. Not not the way you want it to be, but getting to spend time with her and see her grow and develop, and right there in person, in your face, there.
2: Yeah, no, I I, I got no complaints on that front. And she's actually out in the pool right now, and and uh, it's it's great to just see her growth uh, on a daily basis and a consistent basis. So, I have no complaints with the family time.
0: Now, Coach, I saw you guys in Memphis. I was there at the game in Memphis on March seventh, and then my birthday, March eleventh. Everything kind of changed. You guys from the Knicks, and you know, Vince made that best shot at the end for you guys, man. And just think about how our world has changed, Coach, since March eleventh, and now we're here, June third, man. so, have you? Could you ever dreamed up and imagine a scenario where our world has changed so much in less than not less than three months right now, Coach?
2: Yeah, I mean, to say it's been a trying year is is an understatement, Um, you know, and and I think, uh, especially in our league, you know, we we start with with the death of of one of the greatest players that ever played this game, Kobe Bryant and then the commissioner. Um, So our our league, we were deeply affected emotionally with with, with those two occurrences, but I think as a a country and as our world uh, shifted with with regards to COVID-19 and the pandemic and being sheltered in, um, you know, it really put us in a, a unique position all at once. And, um, you know, now uh, I think, you know, the other issue that's come up with regards to racial discrimination and, and, and the and police uh, for African-American men, uh, we're all forced to see uh, something that has happened in our country over and over and over again. We're, we're all forced to see it um, at the same time and together. And I think that's why we're in the position we've been in the last week or so. Uh, it's a response to something that's been uh, a, a major problem for African-Americans for a very long time. And, and now we're having to deal with it, and, and the country's reacting.
0: And, Coach, uh, you made a post said it, not, it could be just for but just for Lloyd, a hashtag. And, and, like, Coach, I'm with you. Uh, as a 33-year-old black man, I'm fit for my life daily. I move with a different motion than most because I don't want to get pulled over. That could be me. And you're NBA coach. I'm already your host. And that doesn't matter if, if we're, both, other day, we're both black men. And we're targets, unfortunately, in this world today. And it could easily have be, been you or I, instead of George Floyd. And i out some more, Coach, because I feel like it's so important for us listeners to hear this here in Nashville that that we have a little bit different experience than most do. And we have to also watch ourselves and watch our movements because anything we do can cost us our life just by being living our normal life.
2: Yeah, and I agree. I, you know, I, I've tried to avoid sharing the personal stories, um, whether it's myself or people that I know. I, I think... The truth of the matter is I've been black for 44 years, and, and I've experienced this defense mechanism uh, for as long as I can remember when it comes to how you're supposed to conduct yourself when it comes to law enforcement. It's just a, an association of fear that, that, that happens naturally. I don't even know when it started. I don't know you know, what I've done or to, to equip myself with the proper response or reaction um, but it's the fact that I have that fear, and, and so do most black men and black, black people in general, um, because of, of the, the, the systemic oppression that we faced and because of the uh, lack of communication or interaction that, that we just don't have for some reason uh, in our communities um, and with specific officers. I mean, it, it's, not, it's not something that we say against all law enforcement. It's something that we say does exist. And it exists for, for one is too many and it exists for too many, too, too many officers, too many situations. Um, and so I, I think it is an important conversation. But I, I think the flip side of it is um, that's what I've known, you know, for as long as I can remember. I think what, what we what we don't know is um, who doesn't understand that this is a problem. And that's where we do talk to those that aren't of color um, and we, we talk to our white coworkers and our white friends and our white CEOs and our white bosses and our white teammates uh, about that fear. So they understand it's not a matter of, you know, you should be in our shoes and you should feel what we feel. We we don't want that. I'm I'm not asking for anyone to go through that. What I'm asking for is you to understand and acknowledge that that's a real issue. And and if you can acknowledge that, we can start having those conversations about where it exists Uh, because the education is, it, it has to exist. In uh, your families, they, they need to know that it's a problem. And your friends, they need to know that it's a problem. And, and then we can start figuring out, well, well, how do we solve it and how do we deal with it and how do we correct it and how do we police it and how do we understand it better? Uh, but we first have to acknowledge it. And that's all I've been trying to do is is uh, be, uh, be somewhat of a uh, conduit in helping others join in that conversation because I'm a head coach. I have a platform. There's a lot of other head coaches. They have a platform, and and we're trying to form this committee and this group and be unified in how we deliver that message to our NBA cities and and, and our fan base, to our players, to our owners, and everyone else that'll listen.
0: You got that right, Coach. And me personally, I've had some of my white friends call me, as we can say, they understand that or had me to explain to them my perspective on how this operates. And so just be able to talk to my white friends and white colleagues in the radio business and be able to explain to them how I've had to live for 33 years of my life and you 44 years. And I think it's been a great week. There's been some pushback from some of my white friends who have certain biases, but for the most part, coach, they've been open and receptive to our, our message of this is how he feels, what we felt for years. And I think seeing George Floyd later for nine minutes, almost with a knee in his neck, finally made him realize, Hey, this is a problem and we can help solve the problem because we all need blacks all need in this nation. We need, I see if Chris it's a white people problem to a degree to help us make this change to be better going forward in 2020 and beyond.
2: Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I think, um, I think it's a feeling that we all, and a question that we all have to ask ourselves. If, if you haven't had the conversation with someone and you're afraid to have the conversation with you, someone and someone's afraid to have it with you, well, you know where the problem is. Um, It's the admittance of it. It's the understanding of it. And, and, you know, until we can have that conversation, it's going to be hard to create any kind of change. And, And it's not an easy conversation. I'm not saying that, you know, all white people should just come out and start talking about the fact that there is racial discrimination. I think it's just really understanding that it's there and understanding, you know, of others' opinions and feelings and thoughts and beliefs and, you know for those that don't acknowledge it yet you know we still have a long way to go and and there's so many things that we're all searching for as to how we can find solutions to that um, but I, I still believe we we really have to acknowledge that it's that there's an origin of this problem and how it started and why it's become this um, but it hasn't gone away we haven't had a solution to this for for as long as i know and so we, we really just need to get back to the origin and, and acknowledge that this has been a problem for a long time. We just happen to all see it live and on camera uh, June or May 25th or whatever, whatever that last Monday was.
0: Most definitely coach. And I'll admit to you, this me probably personal coach here in Nashville. I'm afraid to go to certain parts of town still. And I, I'm in my thirties coach. Not, no lie. A certain parts of town here, I won't go into because I know what could happen to me and I shouldn't feel that way 2020, but, of course, you and I both know, know the reality of the situation is. So I feel like explaining that to my white friends and coworkers has been revealing to them that, wow, they didn't know that I felt that I can't go to certain parts of town, certain suburbs I shouldn't be in past dark because I'll get over and ask, why am I here? You know, not the fact that I'm here to help the community, but why are you out here anyway? So I think this week has been very good for, for a lot of people, but some people will need some more time. But I think with Shrew, what you guys are doing, the NBA Coaches Association, with Stan Van Gundy, who talked, I heard talk about this other day as well, and Dray Popovich and Steve Kerr, you guys are doing a great thing using our platform to help spark a change in this country that we needed so, so for so long already, Your Coach.
2: No, and I appreciate it. I, I think it's a tremendous job from you as well, but by, by being willing to speak about this and, and have this on your show and continue to educate others. and The more we can have these conversations, the better.
0: Most definitely, Coach. You know, I want to talk to you about the team some, man. Uh, I, I read a report early, earlier here in the last hour that al super wants to only to do 22 teams, which means the Hawks are probably done for the year. And I know I heard you say that the, your team needs to play, and I agree with you. You need to get those guys more experience in, in game action, so... What will be your plan of action going forward to help your, your your young core, your core five there grow and improve knowing that, hey, the season's over. Summer league probably is not going to happen now. And what will be the plan going forward for you and your, your core five guys going forward?
2: Uh, well, it's all of our guys. You know, it, it's our entire organization. It's it's the commitment to what we can do to get better and you know, game experience is, is the ultimate, but that doesn't mean we're, we'd have to stop. We, we have to get in the weight room. We have to get stronger. We have to get in better condition with how we treat our bodies, and and that long term aspect of, of of really being diligent with what we do to get better physically. Um, but we'll find ways. We'll, you know, that one setback isn't going to hold us off. You know, we've been out away from basketball for a while, and, and it's affected everyone in our league. Um, But for us, you know, we we go back to the drawing boards and and we're still aimed at not skipping any, which means we've got to work on player development, work on our bodies, uh, stay in the gym, and and continue to grow as a group. So uh, it would be unfortunate if we don't make it to Orlando, it won't be the end of the world. We'll continue to work.
0: And, Coach, uh, how have you guys kind of approached the whole pandemic with the guys not being been away from you guys? The facility just opened up recently here after the governor opened Georgia back up. So how's it been kind of keeping guys minutely healthy as well, physically healthy with the, the pandemic and things going on in that, in that regard?
2: You know, it's it's the same as everyone else. Um, you know, trying to stay in contact as best you can. You, you know, obviously using Zoom for team meetings and, creating dialogue, uh, not just on basketball, really, really not a b- lot of basketball at all. Just just creating dialogue, keeping that connection, that chemistry with one another, um, you know, and finding other ways to stay connected. Uh, I think, um, you know, big part of team is understanding who you're fighting with, who you're working with, and caring for that other person and caring for your teammate. That's If you really, truly want to be a good teammate, it's about the others, and, you know, the Zoom meetings, the pandemic, the time away has, has allowed us an opportunity to stay connected, stay communi- in communication with each other and just focus on that aspect of our team building.
0: And, Coach, we're here in Tennessee here. You coach with Memphis Grizzlies down there in Memphis. So talk to us about your experience down there at the Grizzlies and how it was being on Coach Lionel Hollins and the and grind and how the, the grind house was popping back then, Coach, as they say down in down the Bluff City down there.
2: Yeah, I mean, an uh, unbelievable time—the the two seasons under Coach Hollins. You know, you know everything that he did for that organization and that city should be commended. Uh, you know, we ended up leaving in that last year after making it to the Western Conference Finals. Um, but you know, it, it, he was one of the more instrumental guys in my career uh, because of his passion for that city, uh, because of the wife that he and his, because of the work that he and his wife Angie did. Um, in that city with the Lady uh, Lady Grizz organization and, and the community efforts that Lionel um, did. You know, he, he really bought into the grit and grind aspects of the team, but he really bought into the grit and grind aspects of, as a head coach uh, in, a, in a major city and really trying to uplift and build that city. So I, I was more impressed, uh, you know, being in Memphis under Lionel's tutelage and the, and the commitment that he showed for that city, city of Memphis.
0: Oh yes. Yeah. So, you know it's always good to drive down there and see see those guys play. Or you know, I'll be coach. I'll be up I-40 late night going from Nashville to Memphis after the games, man. Seeing you guys play back in those days, my days radio, man, grinding out their hearts and to do with you guys, the Hawks, man. And you know, I just I love what what you all did down there for that city and that team, you know, because that city really loves their team. They love that Grizzlies so much down there, and that's the passion they have for that team is was one of the kind in my opinion, coach. Yeah,
2: no, it's, I mean, it's an unbelievable group. Uh, Mike Conley and Tony
0: Allen, Zach
2: and Rudy and OJ, you know, a lot of guys that, that uh, came in and gave their all and had probably some of their best years there in the city. It was a great time to be part of the Grizzly and the Grizzlies organization.
0: And coach, you coached one of my buddies, Robert Covington, with the Sixers, who went to TSU. My alma mater here in Nashville. Uh, Speak about Robert Covington, his development as a player, and what he what he meant to you when you worked with him uh, in your time in Philadelphia. There.
2: Yeah, I mean, great story for 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 a guy who really had to work his way into the NBA. Uh, I believe he was undrafted. You know, one of those in between position guys. But uh, you know, true true character, true true testament to his work ethic um you know was able to, to get picked up by houston the houston rockets organization we were able to pick him up and sign him to a to an extension and a long-term deal um in his first round and then really get him a kind of a, a major payday in a second go round with philly and uh you know you've seen he's, he's been an all-defensive player he, he's moved a little bit but he's he's a very valuable uh, three and d type of player in our league and that's where our league is and so rob's in a great position down in, in houston and uh we'll we looking forward to seeing him again when the season resumes.
0: Well, Coach Pierce, thank you for your time today, Coach. Uh, best luck to you. Uh, I'm, I'm so happy for you. Job doing with the Atlanta Hawks. I'll tell be being any, anytime we coach. The Hawks are my favorite team. I know I shouldn't be biased, but they are my favorite, favorite team. You know, from being Nashville, I was coming down and to see them, you guys at the Ombi play. So uh, I've been a Hawks fan since I was a child. So getting to cover you guys and talk to you and your players, man, so it's, it's a dream for me always to see. I'm to see you guys when I'm coming down here and cover the team, man.
2: No, I appreciate you having me on, and uh, be safe, and good luck with the, uh, the rest of the radio.
0: Thank you, Coach. Have a good talk to you real soon, buddy.
2: Okay, thank you.
0: It's Lloyd Pierce on The Boss Man Show.